against Lynch, and there's block number 60. Off the hands of Iboigbedine. Alley-oop, and a slam. Dunk goes in for Coffee. Timeout, Illinois. Kicks to Finky, right corner three, and he missed it. Rebound, yes. Devontae Williams. Oh, On the follow, what an effort in. Devontae Williams cuts the Minnesota lead to four. 55-51 Golden Gophers. Timeout, Minnesota. Gopher fans can smell a win. Fast break, slam dunk, perfect. On a beat from Mason near midcourt as the Illini were chasing. Well, the Gophers lead it wire to wire. They win it by 10 over Illinois, 77 to 67. It's time for Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll get you caught up on your Illini sports news along with other area national sports news. Here are Lauren Tate and Michael Kaiser. Good Saturday morning, 13 degrees below zero. Another chilly day here in East Central Illinois coming up at 8.01. Don't adjust your radio sets. We are on an hour early today, so I'm glad you're joining us on this Saturday morning. Illini basketball early tip-off today, so that's why we're on an hour early, 11 a.m. up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Illini and the Wolverines. Illini game day gets underway at 9.30. Lauren Tate and I will have that, uh, followed by Dion, by uh, Brian and, and Doug Altenberger from Chrysler Center. Give us a call this morning, 356-9397. Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357. You can find a podcast of this show at our website and on iTunes. Lauren Tate, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. Early, aren't we? Yeah, it's early. We haven't done this in a while. A lot, you know, line football is usually when we do this. We don't do it too often during the basketball season, um, but I, I like an early basketball game on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. The earlier the better. Um, last night, a couple of interesting results. Rutgers is stepping up, and Penn State, you know, I could see Penn State being a problem for somebody along the way. I don't know what's taken them so long. Their talent level has certainly increased the last two years. Yeah, Pat Chambers has done a nice job building that roster. Uh, I, I look at that score, and didn't, I mean, I was at a high school game last night, so I didn't get to watch either one of those games. But um, I have concerns about Northwestern more, more so than how Penn State's playing. They've fallen apart. Yeah, they've completely fallen apart. Uh, getting beat on the road at Penn State by 15 is – I don't concerning. understand what's going on with Lindsey. I thought against Illinois, he was a, he was a force. Yeah. Was he three for 17 last night? I mean, he's just having one bad game after another, or at least mediocre game, where I expected him to be a stand. I thought Law and Lindsey could help carry them up front with their, with their agility and their scoring ability, and it's just not developing. Of course, now McIntosh is back, but he's not the same player that I mm-hmm. thought he would be this season. So I think Northwestern, well, they're just out of it. They're not going to make it this year. No, they're 1-2 and two in the Big Ten, 10-7 ten overall. And that loss by Illinois to Northwestern is not, not – first of all, it didn't look good when Illinois left the arena that night. It's a game that Illinois should have won, and now it kind of looks I – mean, it's not a bad, bad loss in the resume, but it's not a loss you want because Northwestern – doesn't look to be having a good season. And you mentioned Wisconsin losing at Rutgers 64-60 to last night. The Badgers, um, I don't like to make very many guarantees, uh, but there's no way they finished in the top four in the Big Ten. They're 9-8 and eight right now. They have struggled a lot. They're you got the, me convinced. They, I've, <laughs> I think I'm convinced this time. I've, I've been convinced before. Be cautious. I, I, it's a cautious guarantee. Um, I just don't see the Badgers putting it together. They've lost so much. 
uh, from the last couple of years uh, from those teams. And I don't know if they have enough to do it. Ethan Happ is, is just incredible. And every time I see him play, I just wish he was here. And uh, it's just unfortunate he's up in, in Madison, Wisconsin. But the Badgers are going to have to figure some things out. Uh, they're going to in danger of missing the tournament as well. Uh, they're 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten, but um, just 9-8, and eight, just barely above uh, 500. Again, I mentioned the Atlanta game tips off at 11 a.m. today. Illinois coming off that loss to Minnesota the other night, which is a very concerning fashion. Been breaking that down for the last couple of days. Uh, another slow, st- slow start by the Atlanta. But some big news yesterday up in Minnesota, staying in Minneapolis with Reggie Lynch. And uh, Matt Daniels and I talked about this last night on Sports Talk, Lauren. And uh, that's um, – a really interesting situation from the standpoint of how long uh, he's been able to play despite two separate allegations. He was cleared in one incident that happened in April and May of 2016, so nearly two years ago, and he's been playing a year plus uh, with this stuff hanging over his head. Well, I don't understand the appeal process now because he can't appeal, and what options? there are several options possible. He could come back this season. I don't think he will. I don't think the athletic director and, and the university will allow him to come back. No. But he's practicing. There's a reason why he's practicing. He's practicing with the team. Yeah. It, he's, not off the, he's not off the team. He's simply merely held out of the game. At least all we know for, for sure is he's held out of the Indiana game. Yeah, he's not he's not going to play today. And he was asked. Mark Coyle, the athletic director, was asked asked repeatedly yesterday, uh, "Is it an indefinite suspension?" And he wouldn't answer the question. No, why should he? Uh, well, I mean, that's it, not his job to answer that question. No, it's he's, not. They're going to go game by game. They're just going to. I mean, just because we want to know doesn't mean they have to do uh, it. I agree, I agree with it. I agree, I agree with you there. But at the same point, like first of all, I, I watched that news conference yesterday. I'm not sure whether they even held it. They didn't answer any questions. Well, they held it because the media demanded it, and he went out there and did the best he could because he can't talk about it. Well, I, I think. What do you want him to do? Talk when he can't talk? Well, he doesn't need to talk about the investigation, but there are things they can't answer. What they they could they could answer is it an indefinite suspension? No, or not? they yes, don't they have can. to answer that. Why would they not answer that? Why would they? But they need to. Is it because this? No, they don't. But the sensitivity of this situation. And the two allegations, and coming off the football situation just over a year ago, they have a lot of issues. Football has nothing to do with this. Uh, It kind of does, because twice in over a year, they've had major sexual assault investigations involving major athletic programs. But they have, this this thing is in the option to appeal. Yes, it is. As long as it's an option to appeal, I understand, and when I read the, the, the part about the appeal is he could come back and play this oh, yeah, year. And so why should they put themselves in a, oh, he'll never play again. We're no, done I, with I, him forever. Uh, I, well, that's what you're asking. That is not what I'm asking. Yes, it is exactly what you're asking. Completely different than staying in a definite suspension than suspended for good. That's two different things. I did not say he should be suspended the rest of the year. He, it's a, it is an indefinite suspension. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But they didn't. he wouldn't use that terminology when well, he was asked that. You want certain terminology. He said very plainly that he's not going to play at in- yeah, he's Indiana. Yeah, And then after that, it's completely open. Which was... Uh, I understand that. What, what's so hard to understand well, about Which was that? a turn from earlier where they, he was going to be able to play because of the appeal, but Coyle is like, he's not playing. Because they, they're just That's not... That's right. This apparently was a, a from top-down uh, decision. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah, that's my, that's take, my yeah. guess. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, they, they met with him and told him he was It might have been Patino went to him and said, I'll, I'll hold him out this game. And they said, okay. And the, th- the question becomes now, as, as you go through this situation, um, Patino, because now he's dealt with this in his program twice. You remember a couple of years ago, Minnesota came here and had five players that weren't playing due to uh, sexual assault situations. 
The question becomes now, is his job safe after all this investigation when this investigation is over? That's the question now for him because he's now dealt with this twice in a three-year span. So it's his fault. <laughs> Lauren, I, 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 it's every, his fault. It's his program. <laughs> I, I know, but you can't fire a guy because guys do st- stuff off the away from the from the. Uh, Coaches get field. fired for that kind of thing all the time. I'm not, I'm not saying you should be fired. Well, you're but right about that because the football coach basically was let go after a nine-win season. Mm-hmm. But that's because ten guys threatened to boycott. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that was, an, oh, that's still, that was still a, a wacky situation with yeah. that one. But coaches do get fired. When, when people were calling for John Gross to be fired because of all the arrests. Now, that didn't happen. People call for it yeah. all the time. People can call for anything they oh, want. Oh, sure. But I don't know. Who, who's the last coach that got fired because some, one of his players got into a problem. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't think. Besides, yeah, I can't think besides of But Tracy they happen Clays. all the time. No, they, they, they These do happen. things happen all the time, but coaches don't get fired all the time. Coaches for get this. fired when, they're, when there's consistent, uh, when, they're, when you're not winning a lot of games. Well, if okay. You're, yeah, yeah, see, that's the caveat. <laughs> if you're Alabama and you get 10 arrests a year, Nick Saban isn't going anywhere. But if, well, you're, if you're not winning a lot of games and winning at a high level and you're getting consistent arrests, this is why I'm surprised to, uh, Richard Pitino's dad lasted as long as he did because they had so many major issues there. Uh, I was surprised he made it to the latest incident with Brian Bowen. Uh, obviously, he's, he was at the game the other night. That was not a harassment or No, it's sexual, totally, they're di- yeah, they're different situations. And he had a, one of the worst of all time. He had a prostitution ring right yeah. in his own, but did, in his did, own did, dorm. Did that get him fired? It did not. It did not. Which name me one guy that's ever been fired the, for a the player re- doing something. The reason like that. he didn't get fired because he's Rick Pitino. He wins championships okay, and wins tons you can of come games. Come up with any statement you want, but what well, I want to know is, though. well, of course it is. But he, did, but I just don't know. Coaches. If John Gross has a prostitution ring, which he did not, of course, I'll make that clear. He gets fired. There's no way he keeps his job. There's no way. Rick Pitino, because of how many games he's won. That's and your perception. I don't agree with it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't, can't think of any other reason because of something at that high of a level of the prostitution ring you'd get to keep your job. Look, he got to keep his job after he had sex with a woman on a pool table. I mean, at a restaurant. At a restaurant. <laughs> so, so, I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you that. <laughs> I think it's because yeah, it's I, Rick Pitino. Okay. Again, I th- I'm okay. convinced it's because it's Rick Pitino. Well, now I'm I don't sure, think I'm I don't sure. think the first one that you the one you just referenced the the pool table restaurant incident I don't know if you would get fired for that one alone just by itself but when you add up that with the prostitution ring and the other issues right. before Brian That's Bowen fired him. and he's well but I'm it's talking before Brian Bowen I yeah. like I felt he because of all the other incidents the the restaurant incident the prostitution ring I thought okay this guy's had a lot of problems at Louisville alone. He needs to go. And then the Brian Bone thing came on, and then, okay, then he's gone. Uh, but he was, still wasn't gone. I, he, well, was, he had a contract. And, and you know, you got, if you're the, if you're it's a lot of money on that contract, yeah, too. If you're an administrator, you've got to make sure you've got all your uh, – you know, everything organized. In term, when you fire somebody like that, you, you may have to pay him off. Was he fired you – know, did he really cause problems sufficient for the athletic department to fire him? And I'd say yes, yeah. but you still have to get everything in order. Yeah, there's you see just that don't go firing off and say, you know, and, and take the, and run the risk of having to, uh, to pay him. And, and we don't know yet whether how that's going to turn out. Yeah, because he's, 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 he's appealed that. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's either filed a lawsuit or he's fighting for it. Because I think it was 40-some million dollars left on his deal, and he's trying to get it. 
and he would love to get that money, and I don't know if he's going to get it or not. Uh, he was at the game the other night, uh, I think, for, for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just kind of uh, – he's not staying you know, behind the scenes, but he's, he's, he's not out there very much right now, and obviously I, I don't know he'll ever coach again. By well, the way, you, you know what's overlooked in this uh, Lynch thing? Mm-hmm. There's, there are other center was Curry. He's out for the season. They've lost – this is a one-two punch at one position. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they won't make the NCAA because right now they're online to make the NCAA tournament, maybe one of three or four, four teams in the Big Ten, maybe five, that might make the tournament. But this, this season is going to be – this season is evolving as a disaster for the league as a whole, not for Michigan State, but for the league as a whole because – the last three years, uh, the Big Ten has sent seven teams into the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament each year. Seven is kind of what we expect. Half the league, yep. okay? Half the league. Where are they now? Where are they now? Where are you going to get the fifth or sixth? Can Ohio State hold up? Can See Maryland that. hold up? Maryland just lost a player. I Justin mean, Jackson. I mean, yeah. I mean, That's a big loss for them. So I'm just saying to you that, Regardless of, I mean, when you look at, at the losses that teams have suffered in, in the non-conference, I mean, Penn State, for all my interest in them, the loss to Ryder. You don't lose to Ryder and make the NCAA the tournament, but mm-hmm. they can come back and do it, of course. Uh, they got a good win over Pitt, but Pitt's way down. They got a win over Iowa. Iowa is way down. I mean, you know, they beat, they beat Northwestern. Northwestern is way down. They haven't got a win that you could say against a team that is, uh, you know, living up to any kind of standard. Well, I, I just pulled up the standings here, and Ohio State continues to surprise me. They're 3-0, and and the Buckeyes are 3-0 and in the Big Ten. Let's assume, uh, which you can't assume anything in life, of course, that they continue playing well and they find their way into well, sure. the tournament. That, that's it, but they lost to Gonzaga, Butler, Clemson, and North Carolina, so they've got those four losses and their wins so far. Uh, the, the win over uh, Michigan is the only good, really good win. Wisconsin and Iowa were... As we've said, they're way below par, and the win over Michigan was really amazing to me because I, I yeah. think that Holtman's doing a heck of a job in putting that Ohio State team together. He's got about five players, and that's about it. Kata Bates Diaz being healthy. He's, a super, he's, he's having an all-Big Ten season. Wesson's playing well, and, and Tate's really good. Tate's a really good, solid basketball player mm-hmm. that, that they're building around with Diop coming back, and I don't know, can they hold up? They have no depth. Yeah, that, that that'll be the thing to watch. That's that's watch Minnesota because they have Nate Mason, Amir Coffey, and Jordan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some talented players. Minnesota may be able to find their way. So I'm going to put Minnesota. Well, they're in right now. But, yeah, uh, but now we just wonder: will they be a different team without Lynch? He's such an enforcer inside in terms of altering shots. Obviously, blocking shots. He had seven against the Atlanta the other night. Five in the first half. He's really difficult to deal with in the interior. So that's a big blow from a defensive side of things for Minnesota. But I'm going to put them in at the moment. and just I'm going to, I'm going to go to the end of the season. I'm going to say they're going to figure it out, and they're going to make the tournament. I'm going to add Michigan to that, and then I think that's it. Well, Michigan State, Purdue. Well, I mean five. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going five. I, I skipped over who, Purdue. Who is your fifth? So um, I'm going to, Michigan State-Purdue is automatic, of course. Ohio State, Minnesota, and Michigan. John Beeline's teams always figure out a way to get in. I agree. After but those I think five, at Ohio State, we still have to watch. I know. I'm, I'm going to put them in for now. Early, but what you're, what we're basically accustomed to in the Big Ten is anybody that finishes ten and eight's in. Okay, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. practically, if you go nine and nine, you got a real chance. Not this year. No. You go nine and nine in this bad league, when you've got as many bad teams as they've got, and do, do you know that we've only got two teams 
in the Big Ten that are in the top 40 RPI. Two. Purdue and Michigan State. We've only got two teams in the top 25 or 30 or 35. I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to go down. But mm -hmm. do you really – I mean, you've only got 36 spots, okay? Mm -hmm. 32 go automatically. Out of the 68, you've got 36 spots. I could name you 36 teams pretty fast. <laughs> I bet you could. And we got time. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just but I'm, I mean, the ACC is going to have seven or eight in the league, in, in in the tournament. You've got uh, the Big East is strong. Uh, uh, Big Twelve. How many? Uh, six teams out of the Big. I mean, this is going to the Big Ten is going to have fewer teams than maybe four or five other teams in the league based on how poorly they played in November and December. Yeah, and then now that doesn't mean if you go on a run in the Big Ten, sure that'd be any Ohio State goes on a run, they're in. But if they if they finish nine nine or uh, that's going to be pretty tight. Well, you, you mentioned Penn State's loss to Ryder, which looks bad for the league. Stony Brook and oh, Rutgers lost to Stony Brook, and is it Hartford? They also lost to those. Well, listen to what Indiana's lost to. Oh yeah, that's. Are you ready? Let, me, let me put my feet up. I, I'm going to enjoy this because I don't okay. like the Hoosiers. Indiana State by 21. Seton Hall oh, yep. by 26, mm -hmm. Duke by 10, Michigan by 14, Louisville by 9, Fort Wayne by 20. It's two years in a row, right? Was they lost to Fort Wayne, right? Is yes. <laughs> they're not going to – and they just lost to Ron Davis, their starting center. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. I had that in my so, notes today. So uh, Indiana's out of it this year. You can just count them out. Iowa's out of it. Count them out. Wisconsin's out of it. Count them out. Rutgers will never make it. Nebraska, I don't know. They've no. lost to Central Florida. They lost to St. John's, mm -hmm. Creighton, Kansas, of course. Um, I, Nebraska's not going to make it. I'm, Northwestern's not going to make it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just running down. I mean, the league is is uh, in real trouble, and it's just an off year. That's all it is. We had uh, Bryn it's Quinn an up here in football and down here in basketball. Yeah, we had Bryn Quinn on last night from the Athletic Detroit covers the Spartans and the Wolverines, and he'll be he'll be at the game today. And he said. As far as the Spartans are concerned, he's like, they're really, really good. they got tons of talent. But he goes, we won't know how good they really are because they, they because of their schedule. They, they don't have to – I think he said they don't have to go to Purdue. And so they don't have a hard schedule in conference play. And he goes, we won't really know how good they really are until we get in the NCAA tournament. Well, okay. But he, I mean, you, but he acknowledged how great their and, roster and, and is. You, and you can have a great team and lose the first game of the NCAA or second game of the NCAA tournament. One game doesn't tell you, but I saw something in the Maryland game. I mean, that's, what, 14 straight wins? And mm -hmm. that was absolute, thorough, complete domination. It's tied at 29, and you would never even guess it if you weren't watching yeah. the first half of the game. Their, their bench is playing good. Mm -hmm. he, he's got everybody clicking. He had guys coming off the bench that were hitting threes and hitting Ridiculous. shots, and it's like the guys that normally. So they, maybe they, that was just a, maybe that was a outlier game. I, I mean, but that was thirty point win over Maryland. That's really something. Even if Justin Jackson plays in that game, I still think it's a twenty some point blowout. Michigan State just when dominant. When you start making those shots, you can't beat them. At no. Home. Well, we got to take a timeout. Uh, plenty of time for your uh, thoughts today on uh, Minnesota, on uh, the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament predictions. Uh, not looking good early on in league play. The Illini, of course. Uh, staring at 0-4 in the face of the Big Ten if they lose today up in Ann Arbor. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up. Coming up at 8.30, Jess Settles will join us on the Big Ten Network, former Iowa Hawkeye. Good to chat with him as well. Then at 9 o'clock, we'll have Matt Shepard. He's the play-by-play -play man, voice of the Wolverines. Get his thoughts on the game today. All that's coming up. Stay with us. Sports Talk here on Saturday.
Well, I mean, it's up for everybody, um, you know, to, to decide. I mean, I believe in what we're doing um, on and off the court. Um, we do our very, very best to educate as, as well as what Mark has talked about uh, with certain things that we do um, to educate, and we'll continue to do that. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on Saturday. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. 13 degrees below zero at 822. That was Richard Pitino yesterday. I asked on whether it, uh, that people should have confidence in him to continue to lead the program. Uh, dealing with the situation with Reggie Lynch, who was suspended uh, for today's game against the Hoosiers, uh, dating back to an incident that happened in April of 2016. This came out really late Thursday night. Lynch had 11 points, 12 rebounds, and 7 blocks against the Illini on Wednesday night. And considerable intimidation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, the Illini, there, was, there were several possessions where Illinois... Before they even let the shot go, I'm like, he's going to block it. You're, I mean, that's not that's not going to work, and he would lock it. There was a fa- I forgot who faded away. I can't remember. I've been thinking it might have been Thank Black. Yeah. And he faded away, and he put it right back in his face. And I'm like, yeah. well, that was an obvious block before it even happened. Uh, he just changes the game defensively, and there are many more shots that he that he does not get blocks on, but he alters the shots. Yeah. And uh, so, I, as I mentioned in the first segment of the show today, it's going to be difficult for Minnesota to replace that inside. Some other college basketball news yesterday, transfer news. Blake Harris, a freshman point guard for Missouri, is transferring a part of that uh, heralded five-player top five class for Conzo Martin. He started 9 of 14 games but only averaged 13.9 minutes a game. That means he's being pulled out. Yeah, he's being pulled out. I think in the long run, uh, I read some guys who covered the team yesterday, and they felt, and some guys down in St. Louis, they're like, there's no way eventually he would not you know, past Terrence Phillips and then these other guys. That's what they thought. Yeah. Um, not those aren't my thoughts. I haven't watched enough Missouri games. Freshmen have to get, be a little patient, and, and some of them aren't. And he was originally a Washington signee with Michael Porter Jr. And they both got out of their letters of intent when Lorenzo Romar was fired. He unfortunately has not been able to play with Michael Porter Jr. But as I don't, that has nothing to do with why he's leaving. I don't think from what I've read. But I'm just surprised he's leaving so quickly. Well, don't be surprised. They leave. Oh yeah, that's but what the, they do. Yeah, but as a but, freshman, I mean, and only there will be eight hundred leave this year. Yeah, I just, so, I, I guess I say I'm surprised because it's they've only been playing for two months. Well, that's right, but but you've got to think about what his mentality is like. Yeah, he's been they've been telling him all his life how good he is, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the coach Conzo Martin comes in and says you're not very good. In fact, he made that statement to him several times, multiple times, jerked him out of games. Uh, pull him out when he made a foul, pull him out when he made a turnover, and not everyone is going to react well to that. That's why I worry sometimes about Underwood pulling guys out for the very same reason. I worry about it because I worry about about the player or how it's going to affect recruiting or how it's going to affect the player that's being jerked. But if the coach has their, you know, if if they have faith in the coach and then then they simply go along with it. I don't think think anybody likes it, but I I think that... uh, they have alternated three or four point guards mm-hmm. at Missouri because and they can't find the right guy. What do you think this means? Uh, because Michael Porter Jr. most likely won't play this year, um, and then he probably will go to the NBA, so he won't be there. You've lost Blake Harris, who was a top 100 recruit. What do you think this means for the program moving forward? Because uh, well, Jeremiah Tillman's still there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know who uh, who they're going to bring in this year. I mean, but uh, Jonte. Porter is not nearly the athlete that Michael Porter is. Mm-hmm. Not even, 
I mean, it's hard to imagine they're brothers. I mean, they're, they're, they're <laughs> a similar size, similar. Yeah. But th- he's not light on his feet like Michael, and he's going to be a good player, and he's just a freshman. And, of course, actually, he's a senior in high school this year. He, he, how do you do that? How do you graduate as a junior and, and, and go to college? I, I've never figured that out. Yeah. I had a hard enough time getting out of high school in four years. <laughs> You know, I never knew that I could get out of high school a year early, and I, I never prob- did either. I, I probably would not have even tried that, but I, I don't know what. Do you have to take a lot of summer school as you're well, in high you school? Have to take extra courses, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like, when do you take those? To like, I don't, I didn't know they offered the main courses that you need in the summer. Usually, I, when I grew up, I thought summer school was like if you were behind a little bit. That's <laughs> what right. I. Yeah, that's which, when you catch up. Yeah, and I fortunately I I barely escape escape that doing that. So I don't really. I don't really know how you do that, and it's you know maybe and he may try to be a really good player for them, but I just we went from you know in October, oh Illinois is gonna have trouble playing Missouri, to now Missouri is just depleted with with Porter being down, with Blake Harris leaving again, he's just a freshman and wasn't great right now, and Tillman's still there obviously, but that five star class is you know, top five classes, it's kind of gone now. Yeah, well, of course, it, it wouldn't have been top five if Porter hadn't been part of it. And, yeah, that's true. And, I mean, he, he changes everything. Absolutely. And if he never plays, for, I mean, you know, if he comes back at the end of the season, and then he would, he would make them a threat. They've got to qualify for the NCAA first. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to do it basically without him. They've got to get qualified without him. Now, will the committee, this is always interesting to me, <laughs> will the committee – sit down and say, no, wait a minute, this is a different team. We do, Forget the last three months. Look what they've done the last three weeks when they had uh, Michael Porter. Would, do they really consider that sort of thing? I think they do, but I, I, I wouldn't put a lot of – I think you've got to go on the basis of, of how the team does, not how you project them to do because they've added a star player. If, if they were to add him at the end of the year and they were on the bubble – I don't know if the committee would have enough if he if he was able to get healthy because he I think he wants to play because he wants to play with his brother. Yeah, uh, that's clear. That's obvious. And he could be cleared. Yeah, and, and it c- it could happen because it happened so early in the season. He's only played two minutes uh, this season so far, and that was like the very first game of the year. If he comes back and he and he's playing, I don't know if the committee will have enough tape of him and game film of him to see how much he would impact if Missouri is on the bubble or just outside the bubble. And that, I think that would be the question. Um, I, I don't see him coming back early enough uh, to be able to play enough games for the committee to go, well, yeah, he's been a totally changed this team, which obviously he would totally change the team if he's sure, healthy. But you kind of brought up about the future next year. One thing I want to uh, – I'm just looking this up to make sure. Robertson's a senior, graduate senior. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. He's one of their best players this year. He won't be back. And um, – I'm looking. I'm looking for per year. Oh yeah, he's got to be gone right by now. I feel like well, he's been there forever. Yeah, it seems like it. And I, I've lost. Uh, I have to go back and hit the wrong button here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, they're going to lose some players that have been there. Plus, they're going to u- lose Michael Porter because he's going to go in the top five in the draft. And plus, they're going to u- when you lose Robertson, you're losing one of your main scorers. I mean. I, I don't know why we should be sitting here in stark terror of Missouri in the future. No. I don't see anything about it. Uh, I mean, uh, Tillman's going to be back, but Tillman, Tillman is a good player, but he'll never be a dominant scorer. Is that fair? I mean, I think he's going to be a really good player, but I don't think he's going to be a 20-point scorer. I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to average 20 a game. I, I don't see him being um, 
can he be a Jordan Murphy type where he averages just above 10 points and sure. around 10 rebounds? I, sure. Um, Jordan Murphy is a, a great talent for Minnesota. I get a couple text messages we get in here before we bring in Jess Settles. Allen from St. Louis. Illinois finished 0-10 in Big Ten football, 0-3 in basketball in, in Big Ten play. Does Lauren remember a bleaker period in Illinois Revenue Sports? I think it was 0-9. They're not, they're not playing 10 conference games. Your point's still very valid. Do you remember a bleaker period in Illini Revenue Sports? And this is the sixth straight year that Illinois has started very poorly in conference play. The five years with John Gross, and then now with 0-3 and possibly 0-4 later today. So do you remember a bleaker period in the revenue sports in terms of conference play at the same time here between the two well, programs? Well, it was pretty bad when Harv took over back uh, in the after the slush fund with football and basketball both being – Way down. I mean, we've. I, your point is, is really, yeah. I, I, this is a particularly bad time, no question. But um, that was. I, I I don't know. We've had so many bad. We we haven't had basketball down quite like this, on a, on any kind of a consistent basis. Usually we bounce back. By the way, uh, we mentioned Perrier. He's a junior. He, okay. he does come back from oh, Missouri. Geez. He's got another year. Uh, it's, what is it, seventh year at Missouri? It's, <laughs> it seems like been there forever. Uh, I'm going to take a time. I'm going to run down the conference records for the last five seasons for Illinois basketball to start conference play. They were 2-7 in 2013, 2-8 in 2014, started that conference year 2-0 and then lost eight straight. The next year, 3-5. and The next year, 2-7. and John Gross's last year, the Illini started 3-8 and in Big Ten play and 0-3 right now in Brad Underwood's first year. So the Illini really struggling at the start of conference play now for the sixth consecutive year. Bruce Weber's final year, they started 4-1 and one and then uh, struggled down the stretch. And, uh, of course, Bruce lost his job. We'll take a timeout. Uh, we'll come back here. Uh, Jess Settles, former Iowa Hawkeye, is going to join us. Good to talk to him. He's now on the Big Ten Network. That's coming up here on DWS. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on Saturday, 834, 13 degrees below zero. Joined now by Jess Settles of the Big Ten Network. That was Mark Coyle of that sound courtesy of the Big Ten Network. Yesterday's news conference on Reggie Lynch. Jess Settles, good to have you back on the program, sir. How are you? Hey, great. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Well, uh, just an interesting day in, uh, in, the, in the Big Ten yesterday and having uh, Minnesota the Reggie Lynch situation, it's a big blow to Minnesota, but the, the bigger issue is to kind of watch to see what happens here and what goes on as we move forward and what comes out about what Minnesota knew and when, and when they knew it. Uh, what's your take on the situation? It's just tough. I mean, hopefully justice is served, and these are always ugly situations, and, and you just hope the truth is found out, and then if there's, a, if there's lawlessness, it's punished severely. But... Um, you know, it was a it was a tough press conference to watch, and and we'll just have to see how it plays out. But uh, it's just not a good situation, obviously. Do you think he'll ever play for Minnesota again? I just don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's you know I haven't dug deep into it, but uh, I, I don't know. Jess Settles, uh, give him a follow on Twitter at BTN Jess Settles. Uh, used to play for the Iowa Hawkeyes back in the day. Uh, Jess, the Big Ten this year, uh, we'll break down the Illinois-Michigan game in a little bit, but the Big Ten this year, outside of Michigan State and Purdue and now Minnesota losing a key player, those are easily the top two teams in the conference. Ohio State surprised some teams. Um, but in terms of the national reputation of the Big Ten right now with some tough losses to like Ryder and Stony Brook and Hartford, 
Where do you think the national reputation of the Big Ten is at this moment? Well, it's, it's obviously not good at all. I mean, the non-conference performances just weren't up to, up to standard, and the games that had to be won were lost. And so all of a sudden you look at Michigan State, who I think most of us would, would say are, is the top team in the country. I said a few weeks ago on BTN that if they were in a five-game series, I think they would, they would beat any team in the country. Now, obviously that's not the case in March. You only get one opportunity to have an off night or to have a couple injuries, but they're obviously the top dog. And then you look at Purdue. Uh, Purdue's playing very well, although they did not uh, help the league's cause in the Cayman Islands when they, when they had their rough stretch. And then after that, you try to go and find what we like to call in the business, right, signature wins. And you say, okay, Michigan has a solid win against Texas uh, and, and, and UCLA as well, and we'll see how you know, how big those become as the season goes on, if, if those two teams you know, make a good run or not. But after that, I, I, you, you just imagine putting teams up in the, in the selection room and you don't know their coaches, you don't know their names, you don't know the league they're from. It, I, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't look good. Obviously, Ohio State uh, you know, has found a little rhythm here. But then it, it puts so much pressure on teams like, uh, you know, the middle, mid-level teams, five, six, and seven, to have to beat Michigan State or to have to beat a Purdue to try to find a signature win, and it's going to be difficult to do. So, um, I mean, you guys would agree, wouldn't you, that it's just not, yeah. uh, it's not good right now. Well, Jess, uh, do you look back at, uh, let's say, recruiting or what? I mean, I don't understand what's happened to Northwestern, for example. They've got most of their players back, and the Lindsay and Law should be playing better. McIntosh should be playing better. Pardon should be playing. What's happened? I don't. I don't get it. What's the reason for this? Yeah, yeah, Lauren. What were they? I think they might have been twenty third or twenty fourth coming into the season, top twenty five team. Yeah. And then you start see you start hearing guys say, "Well, Sanjay Lumpkin, uh, you know, is the reason why they've gone from a tournament team to, you know, getting blown off the court." Really? Like <laughs> and I'm, and I'm I'm like you. I'm going. Sanjay Lumpkin is worth thirty points. <laughs> I mean. I, I don't. It, it's defense. Their defense yes. is not good. Exactly. Uh, Aaron Falzone was was supposed to be, you know, uh, help, you know they were hoping to have him healthier. He had a wonderful freshman year to stretch for. It doesn't look like you know he's moving around. Um, you know the way they they're not getting what they thought they'd get from him. And I I don't know. They just they don't guard. And uh, when you don't guard at this level, there are a lot of nights you get blown out. But as far as Vic Law, Scotty Lindsay. McIntosh, it almost feels like uh, you know the pressure of last season has maybe gotten to them as well, and offensively they're not great either. Where is Iowa? What's going on there? Didn't they have about four regulars coming back? Yeah, I, look, Lauren, you, you've been at this a long time, and, and you would probably agree that there's just some stretches, some teams that just don't guard. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, we, you know, there are so many – bad defensive stretches and it's not that these teams can't but there's just so many times where there there's a miscommunication defensively a uh, a forgotten scouting report and the way some of these teams stretch guys out uh if you can't guard it you get blown out but i, I was in that same situation as northwestern they uh you know, especially in big 10 play they're giving up close to 50 percent from the three uh, i was at the michigan game the other night just as a fan and uh i mean michigan got any shot they wanted at any position on the court uh, the Iowa kids are playing hard. They they do they do lack a point guard. Jordan Bohannon um, is a nice player, 
but he's more comfortable playing point guard probably 25% of the time than playing off guard, you know, 75% of the time. Um, Christian Williams was a pretty good backup point guard. He transferred earlier in the season, so that's that's caused problems. And then um, they just can't get guys to step up and make plays at either end of the court. But defensively, they're just uh, they're very poor right now. Is is there going to be a problem coaching wise with McCaffrey? And you know he's doing another one of those things that coaches should never do, which is play your son. <laughs> that starts the people talking. But is he safe? Yeah, no, he he's definitely safe. Safe. I mean, he he took over a very difficult situation. He's been to three NCAA tournaments, so it, it's not about that at all. It's and and actually. Uh, his son, who's who's struggling with health problems right now, would be you know much needed. That's been another problem. He he's played in a few games and actually done very well. I mean, he's a pass first guy, and the kids love playing with him. But so now all of a sudden he's not there. Christian Williams isn't there. The, the backcourt is 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 not deep at all. But uh, no, I I I feel like Iowa is the type of team they they've got size, they've got length. I feel like they could put a three or four game win stretch together and streak together and. and solve some of these problems because you got to be you got to be able to figure out defense you should be able to hit some free throws and uh, handle the ball a little bit better so they have a pretty talented team which is which is you know which is what's so disappointing and I think Northwestern fans would say the same thing. Jess Settles of the Big Ten Network joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. Give Jess a follow on Twitter at VTN Jess Settles. Well Lauren and I were talking at the beginning of the show today um, in my I Right now, if Ohio State continues to play the way they are, 3-0 in the, in the Big Ten right now are the Buckeyes, I can see maybe five teams getting in. And that includes if Minnesota can figure it out and, and Michigan and, and John Beeline. But after five, uh, and it could end up only being four, because Lauren referenced that there have been three straight years we had seven teams in the tournament for the Big Ten. And I don't, as we sit here right now, I don't see more than five. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's. Well, let if me let me insert today, here. Lenardi says yeah. four is max. Yeah, I mean Lenardi yeah, is the bracketologist for ESPN, so I I don't know if he's right, yeah. but uh, he's got some ideas, Jess. Well, that I mean, positively, it's not like it's not like all of college basketball is a Picasso this year either. I, That's I true. Watch some of these games. You say Kansas, shaky. You know, Arizona mm-hmm. State, a top five team, good, but you know they get they get beat at Arizona. They obviously beat Kansas on the road, but that's not necessarily, a, you know, like it used to be. Um, so you, you start getting past the top ten teams, and you say, okay, these are a lot of these teams are teams that Big Ten teams could beat in the first or second round if they had that opportunity. Uh, but we've already laid out the cause that if, if you don't get it done in the non-conference, and then all of a sudden you get into your league and you start beating each other up, but there aren't signature wins out there. You. You know, look at Wisconsin Falls at Rutgers last night. So, I mean, past the past the top four teams right now, who could you say would if the tournament started today would would get in? And you couldn't you couldn't make that case. So, it, it's four right now. Usually, it ends up being five or six. But boy, that's a that's a stretch. I mean, I think four is more accurate today. Well, let's talk about Illinois, Jess, because that's what we're concerned with. Illinois got a game with Michigan. This could they could wind up walking out of the, Ann Arbor 0 and 4 in the Big Ten. Two of those games were overtime, and they lost to Maryland and, North, and Northwestern in overtime. What do you think about the Illini? Can can they turn it at all? I've sure enjoyed watching them play. I mean, I like the passion they play with. I like their young players. 
the fight that their coach has. It, you know, when you just focus on mostly their Big Ten play, you, you think about the Northwestern game as a game that they feel like they should have won. I mean, the Lucas play, Lucas played so well in that game, but made a mistake there on that last possession, didn't find a shooter, attacked the entire front line. Then you come home and you turn Maryland over, what, I think 25 times and lose in overtime. And you, you, you can't take advantage of Aaron Jordan's just, you know, top, top shooting in the country for over that five or six game streak. And then, you know, you go to Minnesota and, and just can't hit the broadside of a barn. I, I, look, they've got a lot of fight in them. I like their young players. They, they have an opportunity to turn it around. It's almost like this would be the worst game you would want a team you'd want to face today because Michigan is just so unbelievable at carving teams up and getting open shots. But I, I don't know. What, what are your, what's your take on Illinois? I mean, you like the way they're playing and fighting, and obviously the Missouri win was big. Well, yeah, I think uh, defensively he's got them playing harder than they were playing perhaps in the past. Offensively, uh, it kind of boils down to uh, we've got a couple of guys that can't get shots, which is Jordan and, and Smith, and uh, it's kind of evolved into a Frazier-Black offense with uh, Finky not hitting particularly well, although he is a good shooter. He's just been in kind of a shooting slump. So I don't I don't know if they've got enough offense to pull it off. I I'm wondering if um, if a shakeup might be, you know, he started basically, except for a couple of games, he started the same. Act uh, Black was hurt one game, and and uh, but yeah. he started basically the same lineup all season. And I I know that the starting lineup doesn't really matter that much, although it does to the players, but to the coach it doesn't. And he usually substitutes in the first three or four minutes anyway. So. I don't. What, what could you do to shake them up, Jess? If you were the coach, how would you shake this team up to get it, get you know, so they get a kind of a faster start out of out of the box? Well, I think just specifically for today's game, I believe, I believe Michigan will double black, mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden it's like who who's the key guy? It it seems like Michael Finke is going to have about seven or eight open threes today, and he's got to make you know six of them. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's what turns him around. Black's got to be very smart today. We're assuming he gets double teamed a lot right from right up to catch. And so yeah. they're going to get opportunities. He's going to get opportunities to snap it to the opposite corner or to the corners where the double team's coming from. And uh, it's going to kind of be a make or miss day because, I mean, <laughs> defensively they're going to have to be great today because Michigan is just, you know, Beeline's offense is – as, as you know, is unstoppable. It's just a matter of whether they hit their shots. You, you can't take away all of their options. They have five players on the court who can pass, dribble, and shoot. And even this Teske kid, their, their five-man now, is hitting the 15-footer. So, for me, the keys would be LaRon Black has to stay in the game and stay out of foul trouble, don't get foolish ones early. And then Illinois has to punish the double team and knock in open threes in this game and maybe this is the game they can get Jordan open just because Michigan, you know, Michigan does does leave shooters when they come to trap. Jess, as far as learning a, a new offense under a new coach, uh, there's only five returning players, but it's been a, a slow uh, process so far of learning the new offense. How difficult is it to, to learn an offense like this? And, you know, for basically half the first part of the season here, Brad wasn't able to run any counters off of the offense he talked about just because guys weren't running the other stuff correctly yet. He's starting to do a little bit more lately but how slow of a process is it to learn an offense like this? Well, you know, it depends on your personnel. 
Okay. And it depends on the basketball IQ collectively. And every team is different, and every player is different. When I first started coaching, I was a volunteer assistant at a Southeastern Community College in Burlington. You guys are well aware of the JUCO scene through through Illinois and Iowa and how elite it is, and SEC has got the most wins in history. But I, I played for – I coached under Terry Carroll, and he basically had three sets and two out-of-bounds plays for the entire season. And I was blown away by that because when I played for Dr. Tom, you know, we probably had 15 sets, a couple different offenses, three or four different presses. And I talked to him about it one day, and he just said, at the junior college level, you have so many guys coming and going, and you have so many kids who leave at the semester, come in at the semester. He just, I've always tried to keep it simple. And he won a couple national championships, Terry Carroll did at Indian Hills. And so it, it taught me a valuable lesson. You, you, it all depends on, on your personnel. And, and maybe coaches, even at the Big Ten level, run too many, too many sets. Because a lot of times when I'm breaking down plays, even at, you know, watching Iowa or Illinois or Northwestern, a lot of times, even on a simple out-of-bounds play, you'll see four guys running it, and you'll see one guy going the wrong direction. Or several times this year, I've seen two, four guys in the 2-3 zone and one guy chasing somebody around a man and just getting confused. So it's very difficult if your basketball, collectively your basketball IQ isn't at a, at a high, high level. And I know, I know Coach Underwood is trying to – he wants to put his stuff in uh, all the way, but you also have to be smart about it and, and know your personnel, and he's trying to play a lot of different players. I, at this point in the season, I don't see how you put in much more. I mean, you, you kind of are who you are. Um, your players just have to take what he's giving you and, and execute it. But I, I don't see adding a bunch of different plays and sets and, and like you said, I mean, you might have mentioned secondary breaks and counters. And things. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? Do you feel like this team – is running the things that he has well right now, or is it just a matter of not making shots when they're open? Well, Brad talked about after the game the other night uh, that um, there are times where the team runs the offense really well. He goes, when we actually run the offense, we look really good, and there are times where guys just like they get the ball and they feel like they have to do something right then and there, and then it messes up the whole possession. Well, just one of the one of the considerations here is is the substitution policy in which we've got a rotation of nine, and in the last game, ten players, which are, I don't want to say they're all playing equal, but we got some guys coming off the bench that are playing more than the guys that start the game. That's clear. I would think that that, uh, being precise with your offense would become increasingly difficult as you substitute uh, for one player or another. And when I see somebody like Ohio State playing as well as they have, I think that maybe they're more cohesive with their unit than Illinois is. I mean, maybe Penn State's more cohesive with their unit. I'm talking about their five- or six-man unit as opposed to eight or nine. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, that's, that's what Bo Ryan and, you know, the Wisconsin staff would tell you. I mean, there, there are two different philosophies on this. There are yep. a lot of staffs that say we pay seven or eight guys. We feel like midseason that our guys have much better chemistry. They played better together. They all know where they're supposed to be, and they, they improve offensively as well as defensively. I tend to fall on that side of it. I, I tend to fall on less is more. Now, you look at Fran McCaffrey, and you look at Underwood here, and they are going to tell you exactly the opposite. They're going to say, look, I'm, I'm giving scholarships to these kids for a reason. Yeah, strength in numbers, they call it. Strength in numbers. And, um, you know, I played for Tom Davis. I think we probably, because we pressed most of the game, we probably – played 10 guys yeah you did um 
so it's it's a little different when you're playing when you're pressing all the time and for for fatigue reasons and things like that. Good point. But um, there, you know, I I feel like when you play a lot of guys, and I, I don't, like I said, Lauren, I I break down a lot of tape. I feel like there are so many mistakes defensively in those first couple times up and down the court when guys are coming in, and there's just not good communication on who you're supposed to be guarding, what what play sets are being run. And there's too much confusion if you don't have a you know high knowledge of the scouting report and aren't really ready to come in off the bench, then you're going to get burned. And you'll probably see that today, unfortunately, because if you're an, an a I player coming off the bench and you don't know in the first possession who you are guarding, what they do, and what their tendencies are, then a guy like Rockman is going to come down, you're going to be confused, and he's going to stick a three right in your eye. I mean, they, they punish – miscommunication better than anybody in the league other than Michigan State. Well, my, my final thing for you is uh, Mark Turgeon and a couple other coaches, I'm, I think Chris Collins said it as well, that the defense that Illinois plays is just not something they're going to see much across the Big Ten, and they don't, really don't want to see it again. Uh, what have you seen defensively, and would you have liked to play to get played against this defense for, that Illinois has? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I was kind of like LeRon Black, you guys. I mean, I basically – would have been sitting on the bench half the game with foul trouble. You know, <laughs> I would have gotten so frustrated, I'd have shoved somebody into the Orange Crush session, and it wouldn't have been a big deal back then. But then they would have taken the video monitor, and I'd have been suspended two days later for three games. Right? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just changed. I, I, Illinois, look, if you break down their Big Ten play, they should have won at Northwestern. They should have beaten Maryland. You know, the Minnesota game, obviously, when you shoot like that, you're not going to win. But there are a lot of positives going on. Their defense, when they crank it up, when they when they tighten those vice grips, they can dig themselves out of a hole. And, and that's just I, I think that's positive going forward, especially with the young guys they're playing. Jess, enjoy the games today. Have a great weekend, and we'll see how the this, this season shakes out. And maybe somebody, one of the teams in the middle of the pack, will pull off an upset over Michigan State or Purdue. But I don't see that right. happening right now. It's it's unlikely. But uh, you know, I, I was we were talking to Brendan Quinn last night. He didn't he. Michigan yeah. State probably won't go undefeated in Big Ten play because I don't know who's going to beat Michigan State. So it'll well, be an upset when like it happens. Uh, would, would would Michigan State's bench be our fifth team getting into the tournament if they had their own team? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, their second unit is better than the fifth or sixth place team in the league. They probably won't go undefeated, but boy, if there's ever been a year where it's set up for them to go undefeated, the way Cassius Winston's playing, mm-hmm. it's it's this year. I mean, it is definitely set up, and it. We'll see what happens. All right, Jess, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Jess, thank you very much. All right, happy new year, you guys. Happy Thanks new year to you as well. That is Jess Settles of the Big Ten Network, played for the Iowa Hawkeyes and uh, Tom Davis uh, back in the 90s. Uh, so good to have him on the program. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back up at 9 o'clock. Matt Shepard will join us, the voice of the Wolverines. So all that's coming up. Stay with us here on Saturday Sports Talk. The lineup change didn't have as much to do with uh, any one individual getting off to a, you know, a tough start or, or or not playing well, I thought it was more reactionary for me on terms of, uh, of of the moment of the game and guys that were guys that kind of had the hot hand and, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're there'll be some changes tomorrow, um, you know, to to some level, uh, I don't know. Uh, I uh, haven't totally decided it'll be a game time decision. We've worked on two or three different different things today, uh, yesterday and today in in, um, in Minneapolis. But um, you know we've we've obviously you know it, it, 
our problems aren't defensively uh, as much as they are offensively. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. Brad Underwood yesterday and the lineup changes and the other night and what can be expected today. We'll see what the starting lineup looks like in just a couple of hours. Tip-off at 11 a.m. up in Ann Arbor at Chrysler Center. Illini game day gets underway in about 30 minutes, so stay tuned for that. Joining us now, the voice of the Michigan Wolverines, Matt Shepard, courtside there with uh, our good friend Ed Bonner, engineer. Matt, how are you doing this morning? Michael, Lauren, happy holidays belated, and happy New Year to you. How are Lauren, you? Matt. Same to you as well, sir. Well, it's uh, the Wolverines, 13-3, uh, and three, off to another good start this season, 2-1 and one in, in Big Ten play, and uh, John Beeline just continues year after year to find a way to, to get his team going. What's your take of the, of the Wolverines so far here in 2017-2018? Uh, yeah, I've been impressed with them. Um, look, uh, people in this town or in this area complain that Michigan doesn't play anybody, and yet they played UCLA when UCLA was ranked 24th, and they had a stage of comeback to beat them in overtime, but they still did it. They went down to Austin, who Shaka Smart brought in the fifth-rated recruiting class in the country, and they beat the Longhorns rather convincingly. Um, they beat a good Iowa team, not great, good Iowa team the other night that is long. And I don't mean that they're going to challenge for a Big Ten title, but they can be difficult to handle because of that length. And um, I think Michigan has improved uh, a lot like John Beeline teams have done in the past. So they, they've progressively gotten better. It's been the young guys who have started to take that next step. Isaiah Livers, Jordan Poole, two very good, promising-looking freshmen. And then, you know, their point guard spot has been a spot of contention for a while now. They brought in Jerron Simmons, who is a grad transfer from Ohio, but has not been able to get the job done. So what they've been able to do is kind of spread those minutes between freshman Eli Brooks and uh, sophomore Xavier Simpson. And Simpson has been just outstanding for this club as of late. Last six games, averaging eight points, three boards, five assists per game, shooting 59%. He's now 23rd in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. Those are the numbers that John Beeline is looking for, considering the other four spots is where he gets the bulk of his scoring. Well, a guy like Charles Matthews, who uh, transferred from Kentucky, Illinois, tried to get in, in on that recruitment after he left Kentucky, yeah. ended up at Michigan, which kind of seems like the theme of late. Uh, a couple of recruits signed with Michigan that Illinois wanted as well. Xavier Simpson, of course, is on that roster that uh, John Gross recruited. Yep. Charles Matthews, 16 points a game this year. Uh, did you expect him to contribute uh, like that uh, this early? No, I, I didn't, Michael, but he's also shooting it at 56%. He's also averaging five boards per game. He's also shooting 69% from two. Those are all really eye-popping numbers. People will dwell on a lot of the negative, um, and that's what happens in sports these days. We pick out the negative things. He's shooting just 54% from the stripe, but overall he's been a really, really good player, and he has been a lockdown defender as well. So he's come out with a purpose. He's done exactly what Michigan had hoped for and exceeded that, and he's been uh, a bit of a leader as well. I, I think there's been only one game, Michael, that I can recall where Charles Matthews didn't really welcome and embrace the moment, and I think that was against Ohio State on the road. In that game, it was a struggle for him early on for this team. It was really good. But against Ohio State, you know, he played 32 minutes, only took nine shots, only scored four points. So those numbers cannot be consistent if Michigan hopes to be in the thick of this Big Ten race. But he's been outstanding for him. 
Well, it all it seems to me it all comes back to Beeline, who is a Cardinal fan, which I find to be very uh, promising. <laughs> and, a, and a big Bills fan, too, Lord. I mean, he's okay. a massive Bills fan. I mean, it's almost ridiculous. Okay. So he's in a good mood this week. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know how long that will last. Since he and I had this discussion the other day, I don't see them beating Jacksonville, but whatever the case may be, uh, he feels like there's a chance for an upset. He turns into, guys, he turns into a fan when it's the Bills and Cardinals, when it's college basketball season, and I put a fan hat on. He reminds me of how I have to, re, you know, every game can be different. It's a long season and so on and so forth. But if you talk to him about the Cardinals, you know, in the, in the middle of June, he's completely freaking out. If you talk to him about the Bills in uh, early November, he completely freaks out. He becomes a <laughs> fan right afterwards. It's funny. Well, he's a heck of a basketball coach, I'll tell you that. He just, every year after year, he just seems to come in. And I don't think that he recruits at the same level as Michigan State. I don't think he, you can no. tell me about that. No, but, although State fans will tell you this. Oh, we get more out of uh, guys. We, we don't get the same recruits as Duke and Kentucky. Uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. That is completely <laughs> untrue. Look at the, the the recruiting class that Tom Izzo had last year. And look, I mean, they, they deserve it. They've got great facilities. They've got a great tradition. I think Michigan State is an elite basketball program, um, but don't tell me that they don't recruit uh, at the same level as some of the Kentuckys, the Dukes, and the North Carolinas because it's just flat-out not true, and it's been that way for a long time. I don't care if it's Kelvin Torbert. I don't care if it's Paul Davids. It's currently Miles Bridges, Jerron Jackson. Those guys, teams around the country, every school in America wants guys like that. Well, I'm going to tear you away from basketball just enough to tell uh, to tell me what's going on with Michigan football and and Jim Harbaugh and what's the feeling there and uh, can can this thing get can you ever catch up to Ohio State I guess was the question. Well, that's I mean that's a great question and that remains to be answered. I, I'm not quite certain about that to be honest with you. Um, look, if when you say what's the feeling around there, are you talking Ann Arbor or are you talking the state of Michigan? You're talking about the city of Detroit. The city of Detroit, do they feel like it's been a massive underachievement? Mm-hmm. It's been one of the more disappointing things that they can recall in the last three to four years uh, in this area because he was viewed as a guy who could come in and make a difference, but specifically make a certain position better, and that's the quarterback Mm -hmm. spot because of, obviously, his playing time in Chicago and Indianapolis and Detroit and so on and so forth, but also his track record with guys like Andrew Luck. That has not materialized. And when you can't beat Ohio State and Michigan State, that's a problem. No offense to these other programs that I'm about to mention, but at Michigan, you're supposed to beat Purdue. You're supposed to beat Indiana. You're supposed to beat Illinois. Those are not feathers-in-your-cap type victories. The feathers-in-your-cap victories are against top 25 teams of Ohio State and against Michigan State. And when you're not beating those teams, especially at home, that's a serious issue. And when those teams go on and play in bigger bowl games, are winning divisions, are winning conferences, and are going to Final Fours, and you are left looking at them from afar, that's an even more difficult thing to handle. On top of all that, the position group that you're supposed to be a guru at has not performed well at all. And do you see something in the near future while J.T. Barrett is carving up Big Ten records and Brian Lewerke is coming in and throwing for Michigan State records? You're still searching for your guy who has not seized the reins. And I think that's that has been the mood of, of this area anyway. I can't speak directly to Ann Arbor because I still believe there's a lot of people who think he's a very good coach, and I do as well. But since the loss to Iowa last year, they are 9-8, and eight, and that is not a good or acceptable record, nor should it be for this school. 
Nine, I, that, that's a record I didn't know. Nine and eight since the loss to Iowa last yeah. year, huh? Yeah, well, well look at their I, record I, eight and five this year. And I have a theory on it. Uh, what is it? I don't think you're paying Harbaugh enough money. I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, here, here's, here's the situation in this conference, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, so you may differ. But when you have coordinators in the SEC making $2 million <laughs> exactly. and you're trying to scrimp and scrap and pay your guys. Mark D'Antoni is one of the best coaches in America. Michigan State pays him, what, $4.5 million? And I'm not acting like it's a $5 bill in Lauren's wallet. I'm just telling you, you got to pay your guys if you want to keep them. Okay? Michigan State just lost their defensive coordinator mm-hmm. to Florida State. They hang their hat on defense, go out and pay them. What does Ohio State do? They go out and get Greg Schiano. That's a really good hire. You want to keep your guys? Pay your guys. Michigan does that. They pay Jim Harbaugh $9 million. They have three coordinators who are making over a $1 million. Don Brown's one of the best defensive minds in the country. He deserves because of the money football brings in. If you want to stay stagnant at the bottom of the Big Ten, then keep paying your coordinators $500,000 because they may take that job as a first-time gig, but eventually their eyes are going to be wandering, their agent's going to be calling places, and other schools are going to be offering, and they're going to bolt, and then you get to start all over again. Matt Shepard, the voice of the Michigan Wolverines, will be on the call today against the Illini up in Ann Arbor at the Chrysler Center as Michigan-Illinois tips off at 11 o'clock this morning here Central Time. Matt, as you look at you know Jim Harbaugh and the situation with the, the bowl game where they had that game one against South Carolina, and there's a lot of game left, but they were up 16. Yeah, um, against a not very good team. Yeah. Are we having a different conversation? Put aside the losing to Michigan State and Ohio State, is there a little bit of a different conversation if Michigan finishes that bowl no. game and wins that no. game? Okay. No. Yep. I mean, it's, it's two unranked teams. It's a team that you're supposed to beat. It's a team, quite honestly, you're supposed to dominate. Okay, their mm-hmm. defense, Michigan's defense, pretty darn good. But again, what does it take? You guys know what it takes to win in the in the Big Ten. You got to be able to run the football effectively. You got to be able to p- blow people off the line of scrimmage. You want the guys who stick their fingers in the dirt, who sit in a huddle and blow their nose outside their face mask and say, "Let's go, <laughs> let's go beat you." <laughs> and true. they don't ha- they don't have those guys. Okay, that's what they used to have. They used to have Jeff Backus and Steve Hutchinson and John Jansen and guys like that. They don't have those guys. They've got talent on the other side of the ball. Rashawn Gary's really good, right? Chase Winovich, really good. Maurice Hurst, a first-team All-American. They've got guys on the defensive side of the ball. I would like to see them grow their depth a little bit more. But overall, their defense, for the most part, pretty darn good. You get worn down a little bit, right, at the end of that game. Your offense has got to put up more points and can't settle on field goals. Hey, Matt, have you checked out on the, the Patterson uh, quarterback from uh, Mississippi? Well, I, I don't, I, look, I, I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I don't care how athletic he is. I don't care about his numbers at Ole Miss because I saw numbers with Jake Rudock at Iowa. I saw numbers with John O'Corn at Houston. Let's see, and the, the spring games aren't going to tell us a whole lot either, okay? No. Let's see what happens can he win that open competition with Brandon Peters and Dylan McCaffrey, who was highly recruited, coming in here as well? Can he win that competition, and then can he perform against teams in this conference? Now, I know that's kind of a, you know, a, a little bit of a wishy-washy answer for you because we won't know until that Big Ten season begins. But, and I suppose really the first week of the season next year against Notre Dame. But is he going to win? That job is he going to seize the opportunity? 
And then what does that trickle-down effect have? Joe Milton's coming in from Florida, and he's one of the best dual quarterbacks in the country. Guys, we've seen that at Michigan. Kareem Walker was the number run, number one running back in the nation. He doesn't play, okay? So let's see what happens. I don't care about stars next to guys' names. I don't care about the hype and the articles that I'm reading about them. I want to see them play, and I want to see them play consistently at a high level, and then we can have a determination. Matt, I want you to look into your crystal ball. How much longer do you think John Har- uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to be there before? Oh, that's a Freudian he... slip right there. You yeah, I know. John Harbaugh is uh, uh, a pretty uh, good coach at Baltimore, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and I, maybe that's because I was thinking the NFL. Is is Jim going back to the NFL? Is is If this doesn't turn around, if he doesn't beat Ohio State, does he leave on his own and go back to the NFL where he had great success with the, success with the Niners before they? that was an interesting end there? Yeah, uh, it was an interesting end, but he look, he was successful there, okay? He was successful at Stanford. He was successful at San Diego. I don't think that's by mistake. I think he's a very good football coach. I think there are things that even when you played in this conference and then come back to it years and years and years later that maybe take you off guard a little bit. I thought their opportunity, Michael, was a year ago, mm-hmm. and that was when – You'd sent 19 guys to the NFL. That was when you had Ohio State in Columbus, and you had them beat, right? Because you yep. beat Michigan State. You beat a very good Penn State team. You lost to Iowa. Oh, well. That's that game in Columbus. You know, It's that fourth down call. It's that fumble <laughs> near the goal line. It's those two picks in the first half or whatever it was. Those are the things that you, 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 know, you just can't let those opportunities slip by. So I think he ends up leaving on his own. When that is, I don't know. I've always said his ultimate goal is to do something not many coaches have been able to do. Pete Carroll's done it, for example, and that's win a national championship and a Super Bowl. I think anybody who competes, anybody at that level, who's been to a Super Bowl and lost to their brother, right, who's won division titles, lost conference championships, guys like that, I don't think that goes away. I think deep down inside, eventually he'd love to win a Super Bowl, but I think first things first, he wants to finish the job here. I would guess with the negative publicity that he's been getting over the last year and a half, quite honestly. It started a year ago when they lost in, at Ohio State the, and then ended up you know, going to the bowl game. And, um, and did they lose that bowl game? I, I can't even remember all this stuff. But to be honest with you, I think it started a year and a half ago. And I think what happened is people are just going, you know what? Um, they're starting to second-guess him, and I think he'll thrive on that. I really do. I've always said he would kill it on the recruiting trail, and I think he has. Now you've got to finish it. And look, he's got he's got co- good coaches. I mean, he's got a good staff and and guys who have played in the NFL and coached in the NFL. Mike Zordich, Pep Hamilton, but the excuses are gone. People want results, and I think that's where he's he's got to thrive. The problem is, fellas, that that schedule next year, you got to go to South Bend, you got to go to East Lansing, mm-hmm. you got to go to Columbus. You welcome both Penn State and Wisconsin. You earn that next year if you beat those teams because those are among the best in the country year in and year out. Well, that is a tough schedule. That's, that's, I had I didn't realize it was that difficult. I yeah, and, and look at ahead, look yeah. at Wisconsin. I mean, Hornibrook's coming back, right? Taylor's coming back. They always reload in that front offensive line. That's a challenging schedule, even at home against them. Same thing with Penn State, even though they lose Saquon Barkley. The, the, those teams are set up for some pretty good success. So, look, embrace it and go after it, and I'm sure that's what he'll be preaching, and they've begun that process uh, even as we speak. Hey, Matt, have a good broadcast today. We're going to have to run, but uh, thank you very much. 
All right, fellas, always good to visit. Happy yep. New Year to you and uh, all the Illini fans. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend. All right. Yep. That is Matt Shepard, the voice of the Michigan Wolverines, joining us here on Saturday Sports Talk. Going to take a timeout. Stay with us here on DWS. Well, that was a um, interesting first ten minutes. That was like taking being taken out to the woodshed and just uh, just whooped, just whooped, and uh, uh, haven't had one of those in quite some time. And um, give Richard and their team a ton of credit. Their intensity level at the start of the game was at a place that ours wasn't even close to. That in itself was the ball game. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Fighting Illini game day coming up in just under 10 minutes. Uh, Lauren and I will stay with you for a Fighting Illini game day today and tip off at 11 o'clock up in Ann Arbor between the Wolverines and the Illini. Brian Barnhart and Doug Altenberger on the call from the Chrysler Center. Well, Lauren, um, I'm going to switch over to Illini football for a minute. Um, LSU and their offense coordinator parted ways last night, and one of the names that's been on a long list of names has been Matt Canada. Um, the offense wasn't great for LSU this year. I don't know the makeup of their roster and any issues they have with, with players or whether it be offensive line or quarterback. I didn't watch any LSU games this year. Um, but he's been a hot name in the past. Uh, what's your take on him? And we have, obviously have no idea what direction Lovey is going to go. Well, I think your last sentence pretty much says it. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you have – when you have 20-odd coaching changes at the college, high college level and more coordinators than that, and then you have six or eight major changes at the NFL level, and that's, an, and that's a level that Lovey uh, is, is more aware of, and then you have the coaching convention coming up immediately here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the options are so great, I just I can't even guess with you I what— know. And it's all about what Lovey feels comfortable with, and it's, it's it's a decision that he can't miss on. You can't go with a third offensive coordinator, you know, during his term here. He's got to find a guy that he can count on to stick here and be successful and not leave, which is a trick because any yep. offensive coordinator that comes in here, if, if, if he comes in at Illinois and turns this around with the offense, with the young offense that they have – He's going to be in demand maybe for a head coaching job somewhere or at least at the mid-level. So it's, it's just a really difficult assignment, I think. I, and that's the only way that you'd be okay with having to get a third offensive coordinator if the guy comes in here and it's just just success, out, just the crazy success, and he gets the head coaching job. I, I agree with you. I think this is a critical hire for Lovey. And it's, it really is. I mean, I, I think from a recruiting standpoint – from a quarterback development standpoint, uh, standpoint, and just yes. from a play calling, I mean, there's so many facets to what this hire needs to be able to yep. do. Yep. And um, sometimes I, I, I think Garrick left something to be desired on the field in terms of not calling enough screen passes because you didn't have a quarterback and really get the ball down the field. Um, I felt there could have been more of those, but I, I, I'm not a football expert whatsoever, and that's you know not the reason he's gone. But I, I think. The, because of the offensive line issues and how young they are, it's going to be interesting to see who the hire is and how that person is able well, you've got to. Remember, there's different input going into who plays in the offensive line this year. Yeah, Derek McGee took over for for uh, basically had Butkus doing what he wanted Butkus to do. This year, maybe Butkus will do what Butkus wants to do. I don't know if it'll be the same people. I don't think it would have been the same people had 
Butkus had the decision-making solely in his hands this last season. I think he wanted to use more of the experience and not fall, you know, not just use strictly freshmen. I think there's also a, a major consideration about the center position, whether Kramer will be the center or whether Virtus Brown, who played guard in that all-star game this last weekend coming up from IMG, whether he's uh, capable of taking over the center position. Some people think he is. He got uh, hurt in the Under Armour game the other night of uh, the knee injury, Virtus Brown. I have not heard. I'm supposed to go see a specialist. I don't know the severity of that injury. I have not heard. I'm not insinuating anything. I have no idea. It could be just something minor because there's so many different levels of knee injuries. Yeah. Um, well, I heard he had a shoulder problem too. Yeah. Separate from that. But yeah. He, he couldn't, the shoulder couldn't be too bad if he played in that game. Yep. Well, it's going to do it for uh, Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Thanks so much for listening and for your text message. Didn't get a chance to read uh, several of them today. Apologize for that. But stay with us. Lauren and I will coming up next. We'll have Fighting Illini game day to get you ready for Michigan and Illinois up in Ann Arbor. Illinois playing a lot of road games to start Big Ten play here in the, this 2017-2018 season. Thanks to Jess Settles and thanks to Matt Shepard as well for joining us. Thanks to Jim Lewis and Blake Landon for manning the controls today. We'll also have bonus Big Ten basketball after the Fasteners Etc. postgame show here later on this afternoon. So a full day of basketball up next. Stay with us here on DWS.